This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. This week is annoying. Belly, you seem to really I, be I in the... I had to break in. I had to break in. This you week seem to really be in the Christmas spirit today. Uh, no, the conversation I, we've been having. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. Look, it's a trifecta of annoying things, okay? And like the Christmas tree drama, which I mentioned in the last episode... It's gotten it's worse. Intensified. It's gotten worse. <laughs> uh, the Christmas tree is turning brown and still not really taking much water. Oh, man. And, you know, t- dealing with Home Depot, it's almost like, you know, you're screaming into a black hole. I mean, you, <laughs> I don't know where anybody is. And I call them. I can't get through. Their, their people tell me on Twitter, oh, email us. Yeah, God forbid, responds. God forbid you drive over there and talk to them. I have no interest. I did call and How talk far to is them. Oh, uh, 20 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not too bad. I mean, it could be worse, but there's that. Um, and then, of course, I have to buy a car this week. So, oh, like, yeah, that's I also forgot. my least favorite thing. Your your lease is up, and so you're you're car shopping this weekend. Oh, yeah. so on yeah. top of the dying Christmas tree that you will have to undecorate, right? Delight. Yes. Put back on your car and look like a crazy person re- <laughs> driving around with a dead tree on his roof. Well, and let's be honest. And then get a new tree and redecorate. Right. And you. Yeah, and you said it's covered in sap, so it should be a total nightmare for you, which <laughs> yeah. actually provides I mean, more joy for me than it should. It's almost not even worth root. It's almost just worth spending the forty dollars on another tree. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the point. Okay, where I'm, a, I'm like, do I even want to try to force Home Depot to return it because yeah. I don't have the receipt? Get a fake tree. Get a fake tree. I honestly, I hated fake trees until this moment, and now I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I don't even care. Like, I want to go in my attic, get my tree. Oh, you have one. No, I, oh. I wish I did because oh, I would. I'd go in my attic and I'd get it. Yeah. Um, I don't even, I don't know. I mean, look, if I if I was confident it wouldn't all turn brown and it wouldn't mold over, I would just leave it. But, like, you need the Christmas tree, I feel well, like. A, That's part a of Christmas. It's a little bit of a fire hazard. Plus, it's kind of embarrassing, isn't it, to have people come over and say, what's <laughs> You have a tumbleweed in your front yard with lights in your front room with lights on it. And poor Ava, <laughs> you're ruining Christmas for her. It's just look. It's my luck to pick the one tree that's been dried out for a week and I don't not even think it realize. has. I don't think it's. I think it's a luck thing. I think that you killed the tree. I think that's what no. happened. Yes. So I'm not kidding you. That tree came into my house and went right into the water. <laughs> it was. Cut. Are you do you wait? Do you let your tree acclimate? People are like, no, you were supposed to let it acclimate. Like that sounds insane to me. Like you put yeah. it out in the garage or in the cold for a day. Well, it's been outside at the at the shop, right? Yeah. Okay, then you bring it in, in, bring it indoors, bring it in the garage or something, and let it sit for a while. Just not real long, I would suppose. But you want to, you want to keep it. I mean, you have it when you're at the at the tree store. They cut off the bottom of it so that it'll <laughs> suck that water in. So I don't know where we bought our tree. You know, living in Virginia, when we bought tree, Christmas trees, it was you know 65 degrees, so it wasn't needing a whole lot of acclimation. I don't suppose. You know, around here. It's, well, it's been warm here though too, so yeah. that's the other thing. It's yeah. not like it's been cold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was 50 today. Just, it was at least 50. I think so. you just killed the tree or or maybe Ava peed in the water. That would not surprise me. Nothing nothing would surprise me. I mean, I don't know. I just, at this point, 
I am done with the Christmas tree. I'm over it, and I'm trying to finish this book. It's like th- this should be the bet. My wife and I were both saying it's like, and then you you look overseas, and you're like, we should not be complaining because these right. are such stupid, silly things. But it's like we should be overjoyed right now, and we're not at this right. moment. We're not unhappy. We're just not overjoyed. Right. I was feeling this Christmas spirit, but now I'm not. <laughs> maybe we need to, maybe we need to reach into your purse and have a snack. <laughs> that killed me. I was still. I'm 30 minutes later. I was still. Oh, it's an inside joke. Chris, I was still just laughing for those, about for it. For those of you who don't know, Chris insulted somebody who was complaining about a meal. This person's always complaining that they're hungry, um, and they're like, "Oh, I'm famished. Beca- I have to go get food." It's become a running gag now. Right, it's a running gag. And what did you say, Chris? <laughs> I said maybe, maybe you should pack some snacks in your purse to get you through the morning. And this is a man he's talking to. Just. <laughs> uh, right, so. The car buying thing, Ugh. you have a lease that's up. So I are you going leases. to join? Are you going to join the wussification the wussification of American males, which I did uh, a couple of years ago, and get a minivan? No, I won't. I'm not a I minivan won't. person. Uh, maybe you could give maybe I, you could give I, that I, person I, some snacks from I, your purse. But no, I, I love now. L- listen, I am not a minivan fan as far as like personally what I like to drive. Uh, it, 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 I think it. I think it is. I think it was. I think it was click and clack or somebody who said maybe uh, the car guys, you know, the car talk guys. And they said something along the lines of the, the minivan is responsible for the wussification of the American male. And I do believe that <laughs> I am not a fan of the minivan as a, as a driver. I'm not a fan. However, as a dad with littles, the minivan is the best. They love it. They can get it out of it. There's a little uh, flip down DVD or TV, little DVD player thing that flips down from the roof. They love that. It is so handy. We wanted an SUV. We are, my wife and I are both SUV people. I've got a big old pickup and we wanted to get an SUV. But with the littles, and we talked to some friends too, with the with the little kids, they had to, they can't have them, you know, they can't climb up into the into the big rig or anything. So I don't know. We're liking the we're liking the minivan, but I can't wait we're, till they're old enough we can get an SUV and drive that instead. We're thinking about a small SUV. Like we went, we, we're looking at Jeep. We've always gotten Toyotas. We're looking at Jeep, yeah. um, and they have a couple of interesting. The Renegade, which is like a very small yeah. SUV. Yeah. Um, not, I mean, it's it's high up, but it's small. Uh, only because my wife has to park it in the city. You know, yeah. she parks in the city every day in New York City. So you know, it's like we could get it. We have a rat. We have two Rav fours right now, which yeah. they're decently sized. I mean, it would be nice yeah. to get something a little bit smaller. You have two. Um, are, you have two Rav fours now, and you're car shopping. So one of them is a lease from year, three years ago, which oh, okay. I hate leasing, but right, we did it at the right. time because it was just so cheap. Yeah. Um, and that has to go back. So one of the RAV4s is going back. We own the other one, but oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I so hate car shopping. I why hate not? About why, now, why not a minivan? Again, aside from the wussification, you know, you feel like a, a twit driving it. What would be the reason um, against the minivan? It would be hard to get it in our garage. That would be okay. one thing. Okay. Um, not that it would have to go in, but it would be hard. And, you know, I don't know. I think parking it too would be a pain for, for her. And she drives, I mean, she drives like an hour and a half to two yeah. hours each day. So I think gas and stuff, it, they're so, just not as good. Okay. So let me ask you this then. If you're going to go with the small SUV, like an, like a RAV4, which again is a small, a small SUV, why not just get like a Honda Accord then? Cause that's more pleasurable to drive. We are paranoid about New York driving since we drive so far and with right. the kids. Um, 
you know, our our notion has always been, our thought has always been, an SUV is safer, and we always try to look for the ones that are. Well, I don't know because the RAV4 is actually safer. It's not that big a vehicle. They're big. I mean, the RAV4 is big. The one that uh, we have, the, huh. the 2013 is pretty big. Huh. Um, it's it's sizable. It's not like the ones with the tire on the back anymore. They don't yeah. they don't do that design anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's high up, and it's high up, which you know, safety rating wise, they tend to be a little bit safer, yeah. only because again, the distance that we we live far from. She lives far from where yeah. she works. So, well, the, uh, the 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 Honda Accord's great. We had a, if if we didn't have kids, we'd have bought another. We bought a Honda Accord new and drove it until we had to you know replace it with another vehicle and i mean just because we needed to get a we had to get a minivan but uh, we love we want to be Accord. above tra above the oh, you think like, you're I know above that everybody crazy. that's how you are that's fine it is no but honestly i new york accidents are like the accidents we see every day are awful so that's yeah. just always been our thing like let's if we can afford two suvs let's do it right um and now cars are so out of control you might as well at this point yeah hmm. you're talking about a difference of a couple thousand you yeah. know to get All right all right, that's fine. That's fine. So let's uh, let's awkwardly transition here. Um, let me awkwardly transition. So we wanted to uh, get into this morning, and then and we and, and we don't don't we haven't forgotten about uh, Pedro. Okay, we are going to call Pedro in order to try to uh, get him Grammy nominated within the next year or so. <laughs> and we're going to do that later. But first, we wanted to get into a little because Billy, you had a discussion with somebody this week about um, about uh, about the Trumpster. You know, and that's how, the trifecta. That's the tri. Uh, I, that's oh, yeah. Trump, Donald Trump is the third oh, part right, of my week. You got a little bee in your bonnet about Trump this week, <laughs> online, <laughs> and uh, so yeah. So the Trump thing. What's 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 your what? I, I, what, I don't get what your, your what your beef is right now because you so you actually, got into a, you got into a fight with somebody this week. The person I debated with was Sam Sorbo, Kevin Sorbo's oh, yeah, wife, yeah. Which, who is well, who was going to come on our show next week. Is Kevin Kevin or Sam? <clears throat> Both of them. Because now, remember, he talked about there being a new show coming up with a new show. He and his wife were working on a new show. Is that public information yet? The the, the details about the show. Did he tell us that last time? Yeah, when he was on, he said he and his wife were working on a NBC new show. He bought get, that show. He couldn't give any details because it was still in the works and negotiations. Yes. Well, they have not confirmed this. So the who's but they? The, the Sorbos, but the show was purchased by NBC and I think it comes out next year and it's, and he, he is starring in it. Yeah. So, um, that's big news for them. And that's what we're going to talk with them about next week. And, um, but yeah, we, you know, I went on her radio show and I love Sam. I go on her show every week and we, we debated a little bit and I'm look, I'm somewhat ignorant on the notion of, uh, of what this would look like because a Donald Trump hasn't we're mapped talking out about the Muslim we're talk, ban. Yeah. The Muslim, we're talking about the Muslim ban here. Yeah. Right. He hasn't mapped it out. And, and B, you know, I think there are parts of it, at least, that seem to be potentially unconstitutional. Not the whole thing. Yeah. Not. The, but we don't even know the whole. We know. We know that he, well, he would. He hasn't ban. detailed it at all. He doesn't detail well, there anything. Are no details. He just comes out and says things, and then, <clears throat> and then, in fact, Olapundit wrote about this today because he said the same thing about you know with with cop killers. He said something similar. Something just which, automatic says, death penalty. He just says yeah. He just says things off the cuff. And then they become policy until he figures out that maybe the details aren't working out. And he says, well, you know, something along those lines. Or then comes out and says, well, I, I wouldn't propose that. And then the, his supporters go, yeah, they, they latch on the last thing he says and says, oh, he was never saying these things. He never really meant those things in the beginning. This is what he means. It's like, come on. Can it, I tell you my there favorite are no line? In... But there are no details in this Muslim ban thing. He's just spitballing. My... 
my favorite piece of this whole thing is <laughs> when you told O'Reilly, all my Muslim friends have been calling me and thanking right. me for this over the right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that's yeah. not true. Wow. Although there have been some Muslims the who guy, have said at least one. The guy bloviates. Yeah, but that's well, what I actually a, love about him too. Yeah. I don't love Donald I don't what? love presidential candidate Donald Trump. But what I love is monitoring how he communicates because there's yeah. nobody like him. Nobody has ever done this before. Yeah. But what, what I don't like is what he's revealing about the American public is that they will just buy into any sort of tyrannical idea that he throws out there. He had a, like you, you mentioned, or the cow killer thing. He put out, he had a speech today or yesterday or Thursday or Friday where he talked to this police and he says, I'm, one of the first things I'm going to do as president is sign an executive order that says that all cop killers will be executed. Well, uh, cop killing trials are usually run by the state, not by the federal government, almost always run by the state. And different states have different penalties, including what some like almost 20 states have banned the death penalty. He can't just come down and decree that they're going to be executed. He doesn't get to pick that. And even if it were a federal issue, Congress decides who gets executed and who doesn't, not the president. It's uh, it's ridiculous. And but people are throwing. Oh, he said this, blah, blah, blah. That's the things he's saying is tyrannical. I'm just going to as president decree this is going to happen. And it's and now. The thing about the Muslim, uh, the ban on the temporary ban on Muslims coming, Muslim migrants, not non-citizens, but Muslim migrants coming in, that can be determined, I believe, by the president. Uh, based I think on, he needs Congress. Based though. on, based, based on, well, according to things that different people have been saying on air, and I guess who knows if they're accurate or not, including Rush. Again, I don't know how accurate it is, but from my understanding, is is immigration law allows the executive to have some uh, a say over. Uh, who comes in and who doesn't, at least on a temporary basis. You know, everybody's quoting the, the fact that Jimmy Carter did something like this back in the, in the 70s with Iranians, right? Now, that's different than, than, than an entire religion of people, but uh, according to the law, from what I, again, from what I understand, is that the president can ban, the executive can ban any class of people. So Muslim would be a class of people. But where does it, that mean that he should? I don't know. But here's here's okay. Here, let me let me say this. I'm not advocating for a ban on Muslims to come in. Okay. But what is Glenn doing with the with the Nazarene fund? They're looking for Christians to bring in. So it's stop everybody from the Middle East, which would be pretty much Muslim, but bring in Christians, which means which is a de facto Muslim ban, right? Well, here here's the thing. I I mean. And I said this to Sam, too. The focus here is on not allowing Muslims in. And I fine, I understand the mentality of where that's coming Whether from. Whether it's right it. or wrong, we get the mentality. I get yeah. the, right, yeah, I get yeah, the yeah, mentality. Yeah. I agree. But let's look at the Boston bombing. Let's look at... There are people who are probably already here. And also, we have an open border, basically. <laughs> I don't think... Are we forgetting about the border yeah. that Donald Trump is obsessed yeah. with? You know, I, what I don't understand is if you wanted to curtail this problem, why not just shut your borders down temporarily? That's, that is a less controversial thing to right. say. Just say an all-out an all out right. cease of you know um, immigrants. I, that's I, I why... Get that I get that, too. That's why... And I, that's what I said to Sam. That's a better proposal. So to me, the only reason you would ever say ban the Muslims is because you want to be... You want to suck the air out of every other right. candidate's right. You know, media. And that's what he's done. And right. I think he's brilliant. Next summer, he will if he is the candidate or... Uh. Even if he's not, he will find a way to dig out of that. 
by doing exactly what you just said. He is not, this is not a stupid person. We're, everyone's talking about Donald Trump like he's an idiot. Oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He has been tricking the media for decades and <laughs> continues to. And the only difference now is he's doing it as a presidential candidate. Uh. And I actually find him very entertaining. I mean, oh, I love yeah, he The is, Apprentice. He, he is entertaining. I did not like The Apprentice because I don't like reality television. But he's entertaining as a candidate. However, he's starting to disgust. I shouldn't say that. His followers are are beginning to disgust me. Yeah, and look, the, the past I mean, that they give him is is atrocious. Well, I mean, it's very similar to the people who. Well, Look, all I'm going to say is this, okay? I I, and I don't disagree say. with you. Oh, I agree. No, no, no. But I think, you know, Hillary Clinton somehow, and, and this is mesmerizing to me, and I don't think it's a partisan thing to say. I know everyone's going to say it is. This is the woman who was Secretary of State during a time in which things have been awful around the world. Mm -hmm. Nothing was corrected. There was no, I'm not saying she's the fault of all these things, but what were her accomplishments? And right. we sit here, and everyone sits there and acts like Hillary Clinton was this accomplished Secretary of State. What? Right. I'm not trying to be nasty or rude, but like anybody with a brain looks at this and they say, okay, well now you want the reins of everything when yeah. you weren't even able to right. handle, ugh, I should not go there, but I, understand. I just, I, it's confusing to me why there's yeah. not more questioning about it, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Or right. is there questioning and I'm missing it? <laughs> well, you're usually missing most things, so <laughs> that's possible. Hey, let's, uh, let's take a break real quick and then we'll come back and we will call Pedro. How about that? Okay. All right. We'll be right back. Uh, we'll be right back if I can find the friggin' bumpers because I'm an idiot. And now we'll be right back. Back to the church boys. Alright, so we're back. And we had to take a little break there because I, I had too much coffee this morning. <laughs> so, we got some... But anyway, so we've got some great stuff coming up for you. We're going to make a phone call. How many cups did you have? Several. And um, I don't buy coffee, by the way. I just grind it and brew it here at home, so I can have as much as I want. Um, I'm not like you. I don't. I don't get overpaid and then buy overpriced coffee. You know. Or, or more appropriately, you don't get paid and waste too much money on coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so we do. Red cup, yay! Red cup. Red I cup. have the red cup. <laughs> anyway, so we're gonna make a phone call here to Pedro here in a little bit because he's his band, and and we promised last week we would. Um, his band has a new album out, and we, but we've got some other cool interviews coming up for you. Uh, just recently, well, just before, shortly before we record, recorded this show, no, a day. Well, anyway, before we recorded this show, we actually <laughs> we interviewed my. Uh, I have not slept. <laughs> my days are running together. We interviewed uh, David Crowder. He goes by Crowder now for his label. Yeah. for his label, but his name's crazy David beard. Oh man, the guy looks like a mountain man. Or worse, yeah. like a homeless man. In fact, he tells a funny homeless man story in the, in the interview. You're not going to want to miss that. So we're going to have that. And we actually have another interview. Billy, you want to tell people what the other interview is since you haven't given me all the details because I can't remember. Well, you probably have, and I just don't remember. Yeah, well, okay. So it, it's it's Kim Kardashian and Kanye West pastor. Oh, that's right. That's um, right. Yeah, about, no, but I shouldn't lead with that because he actually, look, Rich Wilkerson Jr., he is a preacher, and the name Wilkerson you may know. There are a number of famous pastors with that last name or well-known right. pastors with that last name. He's part of that family. A young guy, 31 years old, uh, just recently planted a church um, in Miami, and he is the pastor. He is Kim and Kanye's okay. pastor. He, in All fact, right. married them. He's All the right. pastor who married right. them. And, you know, so going into the interview, I had uh, some preconceived notions about who he might be. And, and right. it, I was really pleasantly surprised yeah. by right. it. And I really like talking with him a lot. Right. You know what we'll do? We'll, let, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll call Pedro here in a minute and then we'll follow with one of those two. Which one do you want to do first? 
Um, Listen, this you is know us what? professionally programming the show during the show. I think we should do Crowder first. All right. Well, and maybe we could let Pedro introduce Crowder. We'll see. We'll it, see what isn't it amazing how people love us so much that we're just crowded with interviews with wonderful it's people? It is. And it was funny when we're you'll you'll enjoy this, folks, if you've been listening to the show for any period of time. When we're talking to Crowder, he starts naming these people. Oh yeah, we had them on the show. You did? <laughs> yeah, we had them on the show. You did? <laughs> so and so said this. Oh yeah, he's a friend of ours. He is. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's right. <sighs> Uh, anyway, we're so cool. <laughs> something we're something. All right, we're so let's, let's call Pedro now. We uh uh, when we had there's been the running gag with Pedro is that um Billy always promises to contact him and then never does. Like Billy is going to be in Dallas and that's where Pedro lives. And Pedro is a long time like the first big fan of the show. And has stayed a big fan of the show, and is and is we just love him. We love him dearly. He's a big fan of the Blaze. He does all that stuff, and he's a he's a drummer, which is near and dear to my heart because I too am a drummer. But he's a drummer for a uh, for a metal band called Slaves Wage, and they have a new album out. We're going to call him up and talk. We we're going to talk about the album a little bit and maybe life in general and that sort of thing. But we wanted to give him a little chance to give a little plug for his new album because we think you guys should support each other. I think that the, the people who are on our team and are doing good things ought to support each other. So we're going to support them. I'm going to buy the album, and, and I know Billy is too, right, Billy? I'm, I'm very cheap, but yes, I will. <laughs> I, I will I will buy the album and play it in whatever car I end up buying. There you go. And uh, and we want you guys to buy it too, but we're going to give him a chance to plug that and talk about it. Anyway, the, the running gag is that Billy's never, <laughs> never contacts him when he promises to. And then we had him on the show and scheduled to be on the show. And then for some reason, Billy had to be out. Was it was it during was it during paternity leave? Is that when you? <laughs> Do you find no, a way no, to no, bring no, paternity no, no. leave was, into everything? No, yes, is that was. was that when it was? I'm actually. It was you and okay. Sarah had him on. Guest okay, host so Sarah. It was, okay, so it was during that. And we called him up and talked to him. And then he revealed to us that this has been happening with. This well, is a it's a pattern, pattern with me. I'm it's a pattern. So. Chris said before this phone, by the way, here's the faith that Chris has in me. Before this, um, before we started recording, we were talking about my book deadline. And he's like, you know, you're late with everything. And Chris knows this because he was he would always have to edit my stuff and I would always be late to him. Um, and he's like, you're late with everything. So you're probably going to be late with your book. I'm like, thank you. And I'm sure that legal binding contract, I'm sure the publisher will love that when I'm late with my book. Uh, anyway, so we didn't I didn't know this about Billy's pattern of, of mistreating Pedro. And so Pedro told us about it on air. And so what we're going to do now is call Pedro and, and Billy's just going to stay quiet and we're going to act like Billy's not on. And then Billy will reveal himself. Uh, that didn't sound good because Billy might take that the wrong way. Billy will then announce <laughs> himself uh, to, to, to Pedro. So they've never actually spoken to each other. So let's, let's see how this goes. Well, we have met. I thought you didn't. I thought he was saying you guys hadn't met in person. He he has a poor memory because we did we did meet okay, once so you in Texas. Meet. Okay. We have a picture together. Oh, okay. No, I don't know if I have to bleep this out or not. Hello? Hello, is Pedro there? Yes, sir. Is this Pedro Sanchez? Sure. Or Pedro Cortez, I mean. I, Pedro Sanchez yeah, is Napoleon. No, Pedro Sanchez is Napoleon Dynamite. This is Pedro Cortez. So I've been I've been called worse. So. <laughs> so so this is Pedro, right? Yes, sir. All right, Pedro. This is this is Chris Field calling. We're we're recording the the podcast right now. I should say I'm recording the pod, podcast right now. Uh, this will come as a surprise to you. Uh, Billy couldn't make it today. 
<laughs> so uh, he's not going to be able to be on. So we'll talk about we all, I want we wanted to have I wanted to have you on to talk about your album. And so um, um, sounds good. Um, anyway, so what's what's been, what's been going? Oh wait, wait, we do have a we have a special guest just rolled in. Who's who's here? Oh shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say what's up, Sarah? Pedro? How are you? What's up, man? It's um, the figment of my imagination. What's up? Yeah, it is. It, well, look, this whole narrative of me not being on, not being around, is semi-true. It is, it is semi-true. But Chris, you're just terrible. I was on the whole time. Chris is just flatly lying to you. So, how does that make you feel to know that Chris is a liar? You know, I, I it's Chris. You don't, you don't expect anything more. Just you just roll with it. You know, <laughs> you right, that's actually my motto. That that is. It's like if you're gonna get through it. Which, by the way, Pedro has been sending tweets of of, of Christmas trees <laughs> that I could use instead of <laughs> replacing my Christmas tree because I don't know. Pedro's probably seen the pattern of this. I have a pattern of like tweeting at at businesses that annoy me, and uh-huh. you know, usually I what's bothering me is Home Depot has not offered a hundred dollar gift card yet. Usually somebody <laughs> just wants to shut me up, and so they're like, take a gift card. Um, Home Depot won't even return my tree. Billy is the king of getting free crap. I, well, I am. <laughs> but it's always legitimate. I would never make it up. But the fact is, my tree's turning brown. Yeah. And Pedro, I love I love the book tree. That was my favorite. Um, I could just I make was, a tree out of all I was trying to help you out. Yeah. So, I have a pile of seven books sitting next to me right now, so I which, could use them. They're all coloring books. Billy doesn't read books. He just colors them. <laughs> So, so uh, their books. So, so Pedro, um, I, I don't know if you heard, but we had uh, uh, Matthew West on. Excuse me, we had on yeah. um, Chris Tomlin, and he has been nominated uh, now for a Grammy. And we had Jason Crab on, uh, and he now has been nominated for a Grammy. We actually have an interview running today uh, with um, with um, David Crowder, and he has been nominated for a Grammy. Uh, Matthew West, um, uh, how should I put this? Hasn't been nominated for a stop Grammy. You. However, he is a good friend of the show when we've had you him on. You need to stop. He Watch this really offend him when he comes on the show to cross <laughs> and you're like, oh, by the way, loser, you didn't get a Grammy. And he's like, what's wrong with you? That's and and he's talking happen. to us. He goes, am I talking to you on a podcast or on the radio? <laughs> I'll say, okay, fair enough. Um, but... So and then uh, so we're having you on and and apparently you are a, mus- a, a musician of note, um, uh, at least among Blaze podcast audience members. <laughs> Allegedly, yeah. Yes. So tell us what's going on in your little life, little life uh, going on in your life with your little what band. What's wrong with you? I didn't mean little life. I meant in your life no, with your little you're, band. You're just out of you're out of control. I didn't you mean are to come across as a out jerk. Of control. <laughs> It's Friday, guys. So it's what's, Friday. So what's going on? Tell or people, whatever tell, day it is. Tell people about this new thing you've got going on, this new album you got out. Yeah, well, my band finally has the new album out, Wisdom's Call. We've been working on this uh, album for, well, a while. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we got it out just in time for Christmas. So any metalhead out there can cool get a nice little Christmas great. present out. I think it's great. I I actually so I went through all the samples and we're, and Chris and I are both gonna are both gonna buy copies. But like I went through all the samples and I and I, first of all, I'm not a metal fan, but I really like the music. I liked your music. It was not what I thought because I yeah. I basically I have no taste in music at all. Well, admittedly, I just listen to anything. Like I don't even you put it on and if I if I want to like bop my head to it, then I love it. But I really liked your music. I thought it was great. 
and I thought it was oh, yeah, thank you. And I thought it was very well produced. In fact, now you had said it's you know it's available Unlike now. Unlike the show, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, I totally agree. You had said when you guys made the first announcement, and it's, the group is called the band is called Slaves Wage, which I want to get to that right. that name in a minute. You had said that it wasn't quite available on iTunes yet. Is it up there now? I haven't gone back uh, to check. We're still going back and forth on that. Okay. So it's it's supposed to be on iTunes and Google Play, and like. 20 other platforms, but there was an, an issue when they first set it up, and we were we were actually lucky that they got it up on the first. Yeah. Uh, because that even that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> right. Jeez. So uh, it's it's coming. Okay. <laughs> it's supposed to be there, but yeah. All right. So it's it's it's. I mean, it's out. I mean, there are some places people can go to get it, but on iTunes, it will be out soon. Um, where, yes. can, where can people go find out before we get into the name of your band where can people go to find out about the album and more about it slaveswage.net okay. is our main site and we've rebuilt it I remember last time I said that we were working on rebuilding that so we finally rebuilt it and it looks much nicer and you can purchase the new album uh, there All right. uh, it'll direct you to uh, cvbaby.com which is the distributor we're using and you can either download the mp3 or buy a, a hard copy okay if you're nostalgic about hard copies like i am yeah and yeah and yes it will be on itunes google play and other places very soon cool. according to the emails all right great <laughs> hey so now okay so We're good the name of your group the name of your band is is slaves wage where did you get the name of where'd you get that name what does that mean okay um and I joined the band, so the band was already established before I joined. Okay. But Slaves Wage, in, in a nutshell, um, it has to do with, uh, if you look at Romans and Titus, when Paul introduced himself to the readers, mm -hmm. you know, he called himself a servant of Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, that word servant, you know, can be uh, also slave or bond servant, mm -hmm. you know, one who has no rights of his or her own. Mm -hmm. um, so, Paul, you know, Paul was saying that, you know, he, he was a slave of Jesus Christ, uh, a slave of God of no rights. And also, you know, if you look at the word wage, you know, dictionary, it's just, you know, what is given uh, in return for okay. work done, you know, which seems like an oxymoron, but in the kingdom of God, you know, God wants to, you know, we're, we're his servants. We have no rights of our own, but because of his grace. Okay, cool. Um, you know, he, he takes care of us. Uh, you know, that that's what he wants to do. He wants us to live for him so he can take care of us. All right, cool. All right. So I love it. So that's a yeah, a little bit of that. So Wisdom's Call is the new album. And is there something is there is there a song on there that's your favorite or is there is there an overall well let me first ask you, is there an overall message to the album or is I mean a lot of I think even Crowder talks about this in the interview. A lot of uh, uh, CDs, a lot of albums have a, have a, a you know have an arc, right? They have a story arc to them or some sort of theme to them. Is there something? Right. Do all, do the songs kind of connect on this album, or are they all just these are we are a Christian metal band, and we here are Christ, ten Christian songs we put together, or twelve or however many is on the album, and we've put them all together here, and they don't necessarily connect. What's your what's the deal with yours? Well, yeah, besides the Sunday school answer, Jesus yeah. connects all the songs, you know. <laughs> Right. Um, no, it's just ten songs uh, okay. that we've uh, written through the through the years, and actually this last year. Yeah. And you know they all have to do with obviously you know God and 
um, and Jesus and just that message. Right. Um, you know, so it, I would say they're individual. Yeah. In their own right. Um, you know, so I'm, I, if I have to summarize kind of like what all our songs are about, that would point to the second song. Okay. Uh, which is uh, I'm Alive. Right. And it, it's a song from the perspective of, of um, you know, it's, it's Jesus. And it's talking about Jesus, about how in the beginning, you know, we will find him. And just goes through that and how he's alive. Right. And, you know, it changes in intense form. We kind of play with with the lyrics in that sense. But yeah. uh, that's kind of like the summary. If, if I have to take one song and say the summary statement of the band's message, it will be the second song. All right, cool. Well, great. Um, so, um, and then... And would you say that's also your favorite song on there? Or what's your favorite one that you, what's your favorite song to perform, <laughs> oh, man, all, to perform uh, on there? See, and, and oh, man, that's, that's a, that's a tough question, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to go with the cliche. I like them all. Yeah. Cause you can't, I, I made it kid. a point to, <laughs> I made it a point to write, uh, to uh, at least drum wise to make something, uh, challenging. Whenever yeah. I play, I like to challenge myself. Yeah. Uh, and as I, I told Chris last time I, I spoke with, uh, with them, you know, I, um, I like the progressive rock, progressive metal yeah. genre. So, and that's, uh, that's musicians music. It's, it's tech, there's technicality to it. So I like to challenge myself and my playing. So I made it a point to each song, um, just, just to incorporate something that challenged me. So as far as performing, I love performing all of them Yeah. and I'm looking forward to performing all of them next year. Right. Uh, because each, each and every one of them has its own, uh, uniqueness right. as far as drums go. I would have to say, if I had to pick one favorite one, uh, it would have to be number nine, Moments in Eternity. Okay. Just because that's my song that I wrote oh, wow. years ago, and it's, it's an instrumental, so. Okay. So yeah. that's, we right. never come up with lyrics for it, so we just left it as an instrumental. Okay, cool. Well, hey, Pedro, thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking the time to be with us, and, and I know we, we weren't on real long, but I'm we wanted to get this plug in there. We wanted to talk about talk to you about the album. I, and we'll I, talk about it more, too. Yeah, we will. Absolutely. Slaves, uh, slaveswage.net, right? That's the website? Yes, sir. All right. So people and go, Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. And on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, anyway, we're getting pressed for time. we got some other stuff we got to go do. But we are so thankful that you came on. And again, go check it out because even if you are not a metalhead, um, you don't have to be to enjoy this album because it is very well produced. It has a great message. And if you're a part of the Blaze community, Pedro is a major you know, is a, is a member of the blaze community. We want to, we, we are talking all the time about, we need to engage in culture. Christians, conservatives need to be able to engage in culture, which is why we do this podcast, which is why Pedro's doing what he's doing with his band. So we need to support each other. Just like we want you to listen to this podcast. We want you to go get, get Pedro's album because it is a part of engaging in the culture. It's sort of like when you want home Depot to engage in a conversation about a Christmas tree. (laughs) It's It's, it's kind of like that. It's nothing like that. It's nothing like that at all, actually. <laughs> I'm actually going to go water my tree right now. Thank all you right. for reminding uh, <laughs> Enjoy, Enjoy your living tree. All right. <laughs> hey, hey, we're going to let we're gonna let you go because we're going to get to this Crowder interview and then we got to get out of here. So, Cool. Thanks, guys. Merry all right. Christmas. All right, brother. We'll talk to Merry you later. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. can't believe that he's so nice to you considering how nasty you are. Well, it's because he likes to team up with me and pick on you, so we have... I'm that, pretty so. sure I'm his favorite, but let's, let's just leave it. That's at that. probably true. Um, all right, so so let's let's get this Crowder thing going, and then we'll then we'll get back and all right, you know, just roll it, just roll it. Crow- so 
You don't want to set it up no, or anything. No, no send let's off. Not, let's not be professional. Let's not just give it. Do it. We let's just put up the Pedro, th- the, the Pedro thing, the Crowder thing, and then be done with it. Well, not, well no, we're, we have we're another coming, interview after Sorry, we're coming back after in. the interview. So go, don't go away, folks. We're just going to jump right. We're going to just awkwardly jump right into this interview with Crowder. And right. we will be right back. Roll it. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys. I've got Chris Field. And we also have one of the best singers, honestly, around, particularly one of the best singers in the Christian realm, Crowder. How are you doing today? Wow, I'm better now. Better now? Look at that. We're we're building you up even though you don't need it. That affirmation is just wonderful. Thank you. We built... We're on the same page with that. That's right. We we build people's careers around here. I don't know if you've heard about this. I don't know if Billy informed you. We, I feel we, like I should have got here sooner. <laughs> we have we have people on, and then suddenly they get nominated for Grammys. And right, so, <laughs> that is true. It's part of the lobbying process. Yeah, ex- except it's for just, except it's all political. That's right. Except for that loser Matthew West, he wasn't nominated this year. Yeah, so. it, yeah. And Chris wanted to rub it in, Ma- in Matthew West's face. He's like, "We got to call him. We got to rub it in his face." I'm like, "You can't. You can't do that." Man, he's sensitive. He's he sensitive. Is. That would be wrong. That's just wrong. <laughs> he's a flower. Look at a bruise like that. Well, well, listen. Thank you. That's the first person I called. I said, "Oh darn, man! I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, this is just so disappointing, right?" Well, you know, look. There's a lot of great people. There are a lot of really uh, wonderful, great people nominated. Um, and as you know, a lot of really wonderful, great people nominated. Unfortunately, Matthew West was not was not one of them um, this time around. What does that feel like to be nominated for a Grammy? Um, it feel uh, it uh, I, I, wonderful. It just feels wonderful. Yeah. It's just it feels amazing. Yeah, uh, I, I think it, I went for the first time last year, and uh, the thing I, I I didn't realize this. I guess this was my was my third time to be nominated. I didn't I didn't go the other couple times just because I had things yeah. <laughs> to do, <laughs> and, and I just figured it wouldn't be as um, it's, it is a you know the word spectacle. Yeah. Suddenly made perfect sense. Right. It is spectacle, dude. I mean, I had a hoot of a time. From the time we get out of the car, the red carpet, I did, I had no idea. You don't see anything on television that they that is actually happening. Really? You see a red carpet, you see the signs that everybody stands in front of, you know, that has the the, the logo of whatever, you know, outlet they're talking to at the time. Right. That's all you see. There are like chandeliers. Hang it like they built this. It's like they built like you know a Taj Mahal type thing to walk through. All we do is walk through, and I can't even imagine the time and effort it went and took to make this. I, it was a beautiful palace. It was a palace that we walk in to just talk about out loud about ourselves and get our pictures taken. It's just the best feeling ever, man. It really is. Well, look, it's the it's the biggest, it's the greatest honor in music, yeah. and you know, it's always funny. We had um, Natalie Granon not long ago, and you remember a couple of years ago her whole the whole Grammy thing, the the controversy that people well, sort of created yeah. around her tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I, I think it's interesting for Christian artists because. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but but generally speaking, none of the Christian categories get sort of the the main stage time. Is oh, no, that yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. We're with we're we're right next to the the Latin. Okay. <laughs> it's just funny to me because so because many Americans love speaking Christian another language in the bluegrass. That's right. <laughs> but you know, so many Americans love Christian music, so it's fun. It's always funny to me. I feel like they might actually, if they gave a category a chance, might actually get a really good reception from that. You know, if they did that during the main show. 
Oh yeah. Uh, well, I you know I I feel like there's been a lot of crossover success of, of in, in, in later years. It it and country music man, it's like country music fans oftentimes are fans of of some of the you know like I'm, I'm, they're a Mercy Me fan and they're a, a Luke Bryan fan, you know, and and church, uh, you know, it, they sit right next to each other, you know, uh, and and I, so I feel like I feel like it, it, there would be a great reception in the right moment for the right people as well. Like last year, Lecrae. Uh, yeah. You know, he kind of he kind of got he, I think he took away a couple of Grammys and he'd had really wonderful mainstream success and, and a lot of exposure through BET. They've they've, you know, embraced what he's doing. He's overtly um, his lyrics are, are very overtly centered around, uh, you know, the idea of Jesus and, and, and yeah. church. And so I, I, I think there's it's, to see something like Lecrae happen in a public sense uh, as well, like Jimmy. Uh, you know, uh, uh, not Camel. Who's uh, the other, the cuter one? I was going to say, one of the one of the late shows had him on yeah, a couple of times. Show, the, cuter the, late, the, the cuter one. The cuter one. Look, I don't know. I, I don't know which one you think Jimmy is Fallon? Cute. I don't know. Jimmy Fallon. Fallon. You know, the funny guy. The funny guy, Jimmy It's Fallon. just dreamy. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, no, he like he fell in love with Lecrae, and you know, he's like yeah. having him sit in with the band and stuff, and yeah. I just love that. It doesn't feel like there's like the divide between secular and sacred that there used to be right. on both on both in both directions like the church doesn't have as much issue as they used to have with culture's enunciation of life right. and it feels like people outside of the church just don't have as much issue with uh the things of uh, that are coming from the church as they used to have either. You know, it feels like yeah. that guy, you've got you've got your you know polarizing figures in both camps, but right. at the same time, it feels like the majority of folks live and breathe in a space that's that's very uh, embracing of each other. So that's cool. So I don't. I being the bro- professional broadcaster that I am, I've I've done no research going into this about, totally. about your personal life. Um, right. So I don't know how old you are, but do you? I, I'm sure that you do at least. Or eighty-seven. Born what? You're 87. The beard, oh, yeah. you, there is a lot of <laughs> well, gray yeah, in that. Like that. There is a lot of gray in that beard. And if you haven't yes. seen, if you haven't seen Crowder lately, he Easy. looks like he's just kind of rolled right out of the mountains. Yeah, yeah. Hanging, hanging out with Duck Dynasty. Yeah, yeah. I call this uh, trucker chic. Is what it is. <laughs> it's, <Yeah>. yeah. <laughs> it's it's fabulous. No, I'm up on stage, man. Listen to this. I'm sorry to interrupt, That's but okay. I had to say That's this. Okay. So I'm a part of this church in Atlanta, Georgia, that Louis Giglio and, and uh, right. Chris Tomlin started, and and so occasionally I, I help lead the music there. And the first Sunday I did was uh was right around Christmas time, uh, about two years ago. Mm. And after the service, uh, Louis was telling this guy comes up. It's a little, cute little couple, and they say, "Well, this was amazing. Uh, we're actually Jewish, uh, but but have been coming here for a while. And I tell you what, this is what we love most about your church is that you do you reach out to those in the city so much. Like that homeless guy that was up there getting to sing music this morning. That, it's like that is where our heart is. Wait, is this a true story? This is dead serious. This is dead serious. Dead. It's like they're like, yeah, hobo stole a guitar. It's up there. It's like." <laughs> Just love your outreach to the city. Sorry, go ahead. You're no, saying I so, can't. I can't. <laughs> that is we. Just, that, that is awesome. It is great. We just had Louis and and Chris on yeah, the show. Both yeah. of them oh, actually. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. so. Anyway, what That's, I was gonna what I was gonna great. ask you is, I remember when I was a kid. Now I just turned forty, so I'm ancient, right? But okay, I remember sure. when I was a You're kid. You're pretty old. I am. I am pretty old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember when I was a kid, there was a big. There's that big controversy around, you know. Uh, um, uh, Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith, because they were having all the crossover hits, right? And so Christians were accusing them, oh, they betrayed their beliefs and that sort of thing. And and and, and I I don't think like that the, the kids maybe. ever bought that, but I think the parents did. 
yeah, yeah. But it's not. But it's, but now it's, it's we're made more. Yeah, we're not worried about that now. It's like great. We're got, we got a crossover hit. You mean somebody is getting into the mainstream and sharing exactly. the gospel? Everybody freak, freaks out. They right. love it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Different, different day. That's yeah. exactly what I was saying. Yeah, it goes both ways. Like the church really champions those people that have an effect in popular culture. Because, yeah. and I think part of that has to do with with uh, you know Christian music as a genre. Well, music in general has had you know it's it's the 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 business of music has shrunk over the years just with the digital, our our our, our you know. The transfer of music happens in a different yeah. different way now, and and when the when the price point gets reset to zero, it's, it's right. tough to, it's tough to, right. <laughs> to make Napster. A Remember right. Napster? Wasn't that what kind of started oh, all of it? Yeah. When we were so- um, all right. Well, let me. Okay, I have to ask you this question about you. You kind of like this was in October. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you dropped an album like random. Like, oh, by the way, here's an here's a surprise album. It was Neon oh, yeah. Porch Extravaganza, right? It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like a Beyonce kind of drop of a thing, you know. <laughs> she surprised <laughs> drops an album and like the world stops, you know, like uh, for a second. So this was more like this was just bad uh, timing on my part. Uh. <laughs> it was it was an idea. I was like, hey, we should put this out real quick. And it, it, uh, it, so that's good. That's good. I like it. I, it was almost like a. We we made a deal with Apple, you know, to uh, let them have it exclusively. But my my want in the whole thing was I thought our live thing that went with the Neon Steeple album that we put out was really cool and compelling and that we needed people to, to see the hillbilly dance party that it was. <laughs> and, and so it's like, Hey, let's just get together in Atlanta. We were in Atlanta and just, uh, it just got in this little like loading dock area and set up the porch and, and, uh, and then recorded a bunch of the songs from the Neon Steeple thing. And, and then, the point was to get the visual out in front of people as quickly as we could while we're still in this cycle of things and, mm-hmm. and just let them see what the porch thing's all about. Mm-hmm. I, no, I love that. I think it's, I think it's kind of interesting. And fans, how did they react to that? Oh, they love it. It felt like a, you know, I guess it's maybe because we're around Christmas time, it felt like a little Christmas miracle of sorts, you know, like surprise, here's mm-hmm. the, here's this thing that you got to be a part of and, and as well, you know, letting folks share it with each other. That part of it's been, been really cool. So yeah, it was nice. It was fun to not, and it was fun for me not have to do all the build up of like, okay, record's coming, record's coming, come on, go buy the, you know, it's right. just fun to just go, hey, we did this, check it, check it. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of cool. It's like, here, here you yeah. go. It's a, it's a gift. Like, there you, yeah. there you go. And I think that we're able to do that now, uh, just in the state of uh, things, business-wise, and in in in, uh, in music, because you're because you can you, you, the 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 initial drop of records not as important as the longevity and life of the record. If if something's good and compelling, it can sit there for a second, let people discover it, and then and there's a slow build, and and it's right. it's it's more about how effective and what your reach is in the long term uh, with this stuff. So that that initial record drop date. You know, if you're an Adele and can do something that you know sets makes history, right. uh, that that's that's pretty special. But for for a lot of folks, it's it's more about just just letting something good sit out there and people find it. And it's almost the discovery is almost as much fun yeah. uh, as you know buying the biggest thing that's happening right now. Right. So you know what's crazy about Adele? Just a side note about yeah. that, and I don't know if you want to say it, but I find it fascinating that a woman, a female performer, is able to be as big as she is and break, and make history Literally. without using oh, any other terrible. tactic aside from her voice. Um, that's very true, right? Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, it, 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 one of the weird moments for me regarding uh, this the, that trajectory that you're describing, we were in in a uh, um, Minneapolis, and we playing we were going we were playing at the 
that whatever that theater was that Prince made famous, you know, he was always playing there and it was in Purple Rain, that kind of deal. I don't remember what the name of it. It's like, a, uh, I, it's too too far back in my mind. But we were talking to the crew there because there's a lot of history that's happened. And um, it was right after Adele's 21 had broke and, and uh, the guy that runs the venue says, man, it's the craziest thing. Like the first time Adele was playing in Minneapolis, she was playing here and she like she, she made everybody leave the room. Everybody had to get out of the room. Uh, everybody that worked there and then her and her road manager walked in it was just the band in there walked her in she got on stage he said she was probably inside we were outside she was probably inside for about 10 minutes they walked back out got back on the bus and then the guy that ran the venue uh, uh, says the manager uh, came to him and said show's cancelled and then they drove away Weird. <laughs> and she apparently wasn't satisfied with the quality of her, of her voice that evening and didn't want to give Minneapolis a lesser thing. Wow. But she said, next time she came to Minneapolis, you would think that would hurt some artists. Right. That would be a bad thing to do for fans. Next time she was not at the little club that I was playing at. No, she was like in the arena mm. down the street mm. and it's packed and sold out for months before she gets back around. That's freaking crazy. And that's yeah. all built on her voice, as you yeah. said. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm gorgeous. I'm fascinated, but I'm fascinated by her because I think a lot of people, I would imagine in music, they encourage people to do certain things to sell records. And this is somebody who literally sits, could sit there in a sweatshirt and sweatpants and sing, and people would want more of it. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. Absolutely. And you know the story that of this record, um, and this is what I think is is just blows my mind. Rick Rubin, you know, phenomenal producer. He looks about like this, uh, um, <laughs> and uh, he. Says that it, well, the story goes like this: that Adele plays him this latest record that she just known. So she's got a record finished basically, and she plays it for Rick Rubin. And Rick's like, "Man, that sounds really great, but I don't believe you at all." Hmm. And and they they start over. They just like start over wow. and do another record. And and I'm I'm like, I want to hear I want to hear what he didn't believe. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Have you? Right. Heard- there's, and I think it's I think it's what you're saying. It was about it's about like authenticity. Do you yeah. feel everything that she's yeah. singing? And that's a special special thing. That's a rare person that's able to do that. I think. And did have you heard? There's a there is a musicless version of that song out there that somebody like in the in the recording studio or somebody let out, and it's just her uh-huh. voice, and it is it's uh-huh. spooky. Oh, I can imagine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's just great. But so I wanted well, to ask me, I wanted to ask him about Grammy stuff real quick. Go for it. Okay, Go so for you were, you were talking about the the nature of the business now, where you can just drop something and people just kind of discover it and it and it goes along and and it's I I I would imagine, especially for the labels, that it becomes a lot more difficult to make money when it's when it's this kind of a, an environment and we have to adapt to it. How uh, Grammy nominations were huge back in the day for record sales for music sales. Is it the same now? Is it bigger, smaller? What's what's your take on that? Man, I, I think it does have an effect because, I mean, for instance, last year, or it can have an effect. Sometimes it doesn't matter at all. Like, you know, if Taylor Swift's going to walk in and swoop yeah. up more stuff. It's not like nobody. We all knew 1989 had come out. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But then last year, uh, you know, Beck won Album right. of the Year. You know, that's like... So and nobody really even had known that Beck had released a record. Yeah. <laughs> that makes that makes for that makes for some sales that, uh, that are very helpful. That exposure for somebody that, that isn't getting the the typical media right. um, uh, hype behind them, then that that that's really helpful. So so I think in a sense it's even more important for people like you know 
that are that are doing more artistic things right. that maybe the music community is paying attention to, but that all the all the Grammy voters had the Beck record. Yeah. But maybe the general population are they're going, why in the world would Beck win a Right. This is crazy. Like right. and Kanye West, who of course is very upset. Again, <laughs> it's always about Beyonce with him. Always Crowder. Um, Crowder is begging for the day that that Kanye comes up and interrupts him. <laughs> that's why we need. Yeah, that's why we need a portion of the Christian Grammys on the main stage. So have potential for some sort of interaction, with Kanye. That's all I need, man. I love it. Yeah, let me. I wanted to ask you about you know when it comes to your music. What is you know, like, what do you want people to walk away with? And I know that's sort of an odd question, but I think it's like when you write a book, when you do anything, when you make music, you know, what's sort of the central thing you're hoping that your listeners, your fans take away from the music that you make? You know what? I've never had anybody uh, point to what you just said before uh, like that, but it's exactly, to me, it's exactly like writing a book. I've written a couple of books too. And, and I, I can't, it's hard. Well, it's hard for me. If you think about songs, so the same deal, you, you, a song, if it's decent, I would think, has some sort of thematic thing that develops like typical storylines would. You know, you've got, you've got the same arc, you know, um, you know, uh, cat gets caught in tree, can't get cat out of tree, cat gets out of tree. You know, it's like <laughs> that, the same, you know, three, three, uh, so, so, anyway, I, for me, an album is that in a better way. A, a, a more developed way if you if you have a season of life what i'm trying to do is take that season of life and basically document that season musically say the things that were real throughout that portion of my experience and collect it and organize it in a way that there's an arc to it you know mm -hmm. and so uh so yeah i each each feels like each record that i've done has had some different vantage point or thematic thing it was trying to get around this last one had or this first solo one was a lot about the idea of home and the metaphor of home that's in scripture uh that that, that there's this longing in all of us for just love and acceptance we just want people like so when you say like what is the thing you would like for people to take away from this record you know honestly that i that they think i'm freaking amazing that oh my gosh that's the yeah. best record i've ever heard ever yeah. ever yeah. That'd be probably uh, in in my more carnal, uh, depraved portions. Uh, that'd probably be part of it, and that's what this record is kind of about: is that that there's there's in us all this this want for love and 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 union, and and the way that was told often throughout scriptures is first story you get is 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 uh, the garden and and displacement and this this meta presentation that the whole thing is going to unfold to try to bring us back in union with our maker that the creator and the created have been it's distanced in some way and innocence has been lost and they want to return to the garden and then they get the israelites and the hebrews and there's there's displacement there's there's uh you know exile from home uh there's uh, toil and trouble the wilderness and then this return to home you know it's this idea of home that there's there's displacement from it and then there's this coming back and and the same with with what the the all the different ways that um you know the, the metonyms that that are used for jesus that uh that wind up really being just a, a way to get back home hmm. and 
that's that's what this record's about is a lot about home finding and i had been and what's fun for me is i'd been in texas my whole life and had moved from texas to georgia it's a new phase of life for me new place and uh, and this wanting as a human to find home in mm. in, in this new geographical space and so so i think that that would be on on, on this record I think the takeaway and what I'd hope, um, well, it also depends on what vantage, what, what type of listener you are, where you are in life too. There's different takeaways, but I think the main one is all of us need to know that despite whatever you've done and where life has brought you to right now, there, there, you're not too far. You're not too far to come home, and that's about it. Hmm. So, do you have a do you have a song that has that you've done that's that's been that has impacted you personally more than any other song? Um, yeah, probably happy birthday. Yeah, that one is like my favorite. <laughs> it's a celebration of and it is, but, uh, no, I, yeah, my, actually my two favorite songs are happy birthday and star spangled banner. Yeah. Star spangled banner is like one of the most perfect pieces of poetry ever. Yeah. It's unbelievable the way the story unfolds and it doesn't give away everything away. you like, you're like, you don't even really know unless you unless you've sung the song before. You don't even really know what you're singing about until later. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, ah, yeah. oh, it's just gorgeous. Happy birthday is brilliant too, because <laughs> like, who could write a song that everyone is, everybody's <laughs> name is in? You yeah. know, I mean, that's genius. Right well, and there. six billion genius. people know that song. Totally, yeah. that's that's the most sung song in the world. That's the best song ever written, maybe it may be. And in fact, did you know uh, Warner Brother Warner? Music just lost a court case. Right. I think it came out yesterday. Did you see that? Yeah, it's not. It's like it's yes. now public domain, right? Uh, well, yeah. They had been like, you know, bilking. They they were getting. They were raking in like two million dollars a year on yeah. that song, and now it's like, no, you don't own this song. <laughs> Absolutely no. Now, see, Olive Garden people, they can sing it again. Right, they don't have to right. sing that dumb song. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm happy birthday! Happy us. birthday! Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, but, yeah. As the clapping and the public shaming goes on, they can now <laughs> change their song back to. It's yeah, not nearly it's as ridiculous. I know I tried to it's do not that nearly too, as ridiculous now. You, you got me thinking that this is crazy because you have me actually thinking about happy birthday in a way that I never have. And I'm pulling up the lyrics on my phone while we're here. It's Star Spangled Banner. I never thought of the Star Spangled Banner that way really either. Yeah. You know, just just that progression of you don't know what yeah. you're singing about until you're singing we'll say, about it. And you see by the dawn's early light. Like, what is it that right. we, what is it that right. you say we can see? Right. And I, I mean, it's so, ah, it's so, and you can't see the flag until. The moment of conflict, like right. oh, it's still there. Right. It's bombs bursting in air, yeah. give proof. Ah, man, it's freaking yeah. gorgeous. How long? How beautiful. long have you loved that? Like, how long has that been your thing? Uh, that song. Man, that's a good. Uh, that's a good question. I, you know, I think I think I didn't look at it hard until Obama was running, and and you remember there was that controversy sure. about that song that came up, and people were kind of running with for a while. That um, you know that he that he felt like it was it was a little too bloody to be like an anthem. Oh, you know, sure. remember that yeah, at all? Yeah, 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 yeah I do. And I do. It, was, it caused me to think and look at the song, and I looked at the song and was like, "Oh my word, no!" But I, hey, this is like one of the most beautiful things that's ever been written. This is gorgeous. Yes, there's blood, and and that's that's it's part of what happened to. Right. I mean, gosh, you read the lyrics of that song and don't do this, and, and just not keep it as a rote. Yeah ritualistic thing oh my word it's gorgeous and, and just gorgeous. happy birthday happy birthday though man i was thinking <laughs> like how amazing is it that, i mean it's you're singing about someone's life has come to planet earth 
That's that is like the best thing to celebrate. Yeah. Like you are alive, boy. That's freaking it. <laughs> and then I'm gonna. Th- this song lets me say your name. That's right. Just, but wait a minute. How do you feel really? about the addendums to that? Like the like you know all the other things people add to it. Like how do you feel about those other lyrics? Uh, well, there's some really awful. How things. old are you now? Yeah. How old are you? Like all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you filthy this or that. It's like yeah, you look like a monkey and you smell like one too or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. See, but I know that one too. And we grew up on different sides of the country. So look, there's they got legs too. I don't know. That's let me let me ask you let me ask you about Star Spangled Banner since somehow we got on that song. I love this. I love this. Well, and and I agree that the lyrics are amazing and um, the music's great too. And what frustrates me is that there are so many people out there who say we need to change the anthem to like God bless America or whatever, because that, because it's so much easier to sing than star spangled banner. It's like, but that's the point, right? I mean, (laughs) that's what makes it special is that it's hard to sing. And if you want to sing it well, you have to really sing it well. Uh, uh, You got a point. Uh, You know, for an artist that that gets asked to sing that song and always says, no, (laughs) I've never sung that song. I will never sing that song. Like, this is not, it's too much pressure, man. Yeah. It's too much pressure. Yeah. I don't want that. I don't want that. You don't that want to like trip or something or mess up. Because it will go viral. Or... It will go viral. Everyone will no, know that you screwed that, it up. That's exactly right. No, I don't want to, I don't want to be Carl Lewis. You know, <laughs> I don't want, I don't, I don't want Rome playing that over and over. You know, it's like, uh, so no, no, I, it would be, it would be easier for me as an artist. I, I would, I would happily sing God Bless America. Uh, there's no pressure there. There's yeah. no pressure there at all. But I think, I think that the, the, the potential for beauty exists and the potential for failure. And that's right. why we have exactly. so many wonderful versions of that song existing because yeah. you got to go for that. you got to go for that. I'm just not ready yeah. at this point in my career to go for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me ask you one more. Ha- and then we're going to let you go because I know you have better things to do than talk, than talk to us. Unless he's Chris trying, has w- He's trying to get else. out of chores right now. He's happy. Dude. I'm going to say, I'm going to go to lunch. But I'm going to do. All right. <laughs> So, and I don't know how you want to answer this, and I don't want to get you in trouble, but out of everything that's going on today in our culture, right, yeah. you know, what what bothers you most, and it can be something general or something specific, and wh- how do you feel like music, and Christian music in particular, can maybe speak to that and help in some way? Man, uh, what bothers me most, I, you know, honestly, I... This this doesn't it, it could get me in trouble for saying you know I'm not really bothered or surprised by much of what we encounter because I just I know I know the interior of my heart I know uh, and the, the interior of my religion or, or my the history of my religion I know I know that a lot of uh, a lot of the issues that we are seeing uh, just with um, violence that's occurring. I feel like information and education eventually changes that, that we've grown out of, we've grown out of a lot of um, barbarism as a culture, as has, you know, Western Europe's grown out of a lot, but it's taken a lot of time. And, um, um, well, I'll tell you this, this is bizarre. This is crazy. This is crazy. And something that gives me a slight bit of peace. Well, uh, I know when the Paris stuff happened, there's two things that give me a slight bit of peace. One is a quote by, uh, uh, Bizarrely, Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but he said, "My mom, when I would see very horrific things and scary things, my mom would say, just look for the people helping. There's always someone helping, mm. and that's that simplifies things quite a bit, and it makes me want to be somebody helping. Um, and then two, uh, this guy, uh, uh, 
uh, I, I probably shouldn't. Well, I should. Uh, Mark Burnett, who like yeah. you know produces yeah. a bunch of We're, stuff. Yeah, like, friend of ours. We had him on the show. Yeah, he's oh brilliant. Yeah. Well, he he said this thing one time uh, about. Um, um, he said, "Think about think about where the the light of the world began." He says, well, "The metaphor for light is all through Scripture." And think about where the light started. Started in the Middle East, and then think about the progression of light. If if light's the metaphor, how do we experience it here on planet Earth? Well, it moves from the east to the west. And he says, "You can watch through, you can track the the, the evolution of history and, and watch where the light went and landed, and you see prosperity and uh, and and freedom and and respect for humans." follow the trajectory of, of east to west and said, you know, it land, the light went through, you can, you can track what goes all the way through Western Europe then jumps this ocean, comes to the United States over here, trickle. He says, but the thing is, the light keeps moving and it's not going to be the United States of America. This is, and this is Mark Burnett talking. So you take whatever you want, but it feels like a really kind of beautiful thing. He says, the people that are going to take the light back to where it's the light's just trying to get back home and where it started. And the people who are going to take the light back around to the Middle East is, is going to be Asia. It's going to be China. Yeah. That, that, that America's had a beautiful moment, um, but it, the light keeps going and it's yeah. got to get back home. And that, for some reason, creates a lot of calm in me that, 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 that to see and look that there's, a, that there's an arc to history that, that we keep going. And people keep getting more and more uh, aware of, of of how to treat each other better, and and I feel like eventually it's impossible to stop. Uh, when people see that that, for instance, a a, a female uh, under oppression, when they see that that's not necessarily how life should be or could be, there's there's a thing in the human that that rises that that that, that makes it so that makes. Um, because um, as I said, I think one of our biggest drives is love and acceptance, and to be loved well and properly uh, is bigger than all of the the evil and violence that, um, that that we see around us. And so, music, I think, is the same way and form. It's 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 a subversive form of communication and and transfer of information that you can you can put words in a song like "Star Spangled Banner" and it it could become um, uh, an anthem that that transfers information and I, and every social mu- movement has had especially here in, you know here in the states you can watch every social movement has had a soundtrack to it mm-hmm. and there have been these songs that have, have and it's hard to tell what the cognitive practice is if 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 doing a thing makes you think a thing differently or if you think a thing and then you do a thing but most of the time what happens is you have people who think things and you have artists who encounter the thoughts that they have spent a lot of time with and then they enunciate it in a way that the populace is able to latch on to and understand and then it moves them because music is such a as i said subversive element right. that that you you begin to do and act the thoughts that that uh, you, you put into practice right. and music is a great vehicle to to Right, help people rise up. Wow. You realize you're very smart. Do you know this? I mean, th- that was very smart, what you just said. Well, I, I think we should hang out more often. This <laughs> you're very affirming as a human. This is amazing. It's great. It's great. Well, and you have anything else, Chris? No, I'm just, I'm just sitting here just gazing into his beard. I know. Well, I mean, that was... <laughs> 
<laughs> listening to the wisdom, creepy, Chris. But um, <laughs> you no, look. what you find in there, don't look too close. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I asked, I was asking the Duck Dynasty people, "What's the craziest thing you ever found in your beard?" and they were telling me how, like, Phil found, like, a mouse or something in his beard. Like, he was sleeping and he felt like something rustling and it had, like, burrowed into his beard. Um, I don't know if you've ever had that happen. But... I know. All right, uh, we're going to let you go have lunch now. Okay. We are going to let you leave. Well, this was a pleasure. Thank you for having well, me. Thank, Thank you for coming, coming on. on. It was great. Yeah, it was yeah. a blast. All right, All right cool. Well, we got to have you on again soon. All right. Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas. Christmas. All right. Talk to you later. Yeah. Bye. Bye. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my ass. Alright, did you ever imagine that David Crowder would be so hairy? No, I didn't imagine that David Crowder would ever want to talk to us. But no, the fact no that he that's did, true. That's true. Yeah, no. Well, the funny, so the, the story, as you could probably tell, was that from from the interview was that we were doing it through Skype audio and for some reason I had clicked my video on at one point and I probably looked like an insane person as usual and he's like David Crowder's like I didn't realize we were doing video and so like before you knew it we were all on video chat um and we could see that he had like a Doug Dynasty thing going on I mean like even more than I mean like Phil Dynasty Phil Robertson Duck Dynasty not yeah you know you know long hair and long beard they look good I you know, I kind of like that look, but whatever. Um, anyway, yeah. Like I mean, I, I thought he was a lot of fun to talk to. And yeah. it was one of those, inter- like, sometimes you do interviews and it's yeah, very yeah, much yeah, like yeah. Q&A. Yeah, like, yeah, these yeah. are the questions we prepared. You kind of suck. So we're just going to talk back and forth and we'll never speak again. And then you have, usually we don't have those interviews, right. but they happen. Right. And not that you suck, but it's like, we we have no use to speak to you again. Right. You probably right. don't have a use yeah. to speak to us until you release another book. Um, in this case, it was like, wow, he could come out all the time. It's yeah. like Matthew West and we could yeah. hang out and be friends or well, we could pretend that we're his friend. Right. Well, Matthew West, if he steps up his game, he can come Matthew back. West is awesome. Oh, yes, he is. Actually, I'm I'm hoping that we can go get him to come on next week and guest host. Oh, really? So is this another thing you're just throwing out there at me? That yes. I, and, un- and I'm trying for? to get Kirk Cameron to guest host with us. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. So, all right. He probably won't want to have anything to do with it. No, but I don't We'll try. <laughs> so this has been a weird show, by the way. Usually uh, we're yeah, you're telling me. in stitches by now, and right now it's just like I'm kind of just putting up with you mostly. Well, I don't. I have this uneasiness about the Christmas tree that I can't yeah. shake, and well, that's like it's impacting how I deliver the show. I'm yeah, I, I understand. And and you've got this this I gotta go buy a car thing hanging over your head, which also sucks. Uh, that's the worst. It really is. No, really there's nothing is. worse really than buying is. a car. All right, nothing. In fact. <laughs> The last time I bought a car, they looked at me like I was crazy because I went in. I usually go in really nice. I went in like a crazy person. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. This is what I want. And they were like, you came in here a little bit on edge. And I was like, yeah, because I'm not going to waste hate, three hours I hate it. I hate doing it. this garbage. I hate it's awkward. Shopping. It's the worst. All right. So let's, uh, let's, uh, I don't have it up. Let's, uh, let's, let's transition to, um. What was the other interview we were Rich, doing? Well, Kanye. we were going to talk Rich Wilkerson. And Rich Wilkerson, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pastor Rich Wilkerson. This is just filled no, with interviews. You, this show you, is basically a conundrum of interviews. So he's the, he was, he's, and it's unfair to him, but he is known as Kanye West and Kim Kardashian's pastor. Whatever yes. that means, right? He happens. Well, the, let me just. doesn't define him, but are you a Kanye fan? I'd rather drink Drano. <laughs> <laughs> I am being honest. <laughs> But, um, Are you a Kardashian fan? I would rather jump into a lake of fire. 
than watch the Kardashians or um you know I don't watch probably, the Kardashians I've in never the past, watched I've it. seen episodes oh, but never watched it just, just it's awful it's a show just, about nothing the whole thing just the whole concept just drives me crazy well my my biggest Ugh. well let me stop go ahead I was gonna say something unkind does I'm gonna to say with, it. does it have to do with, <laughs> does it have to do with their caboose no oh, no okay. not about the caboose I just my concern is when I see the mother. I'm oh. constantly worried about whether or not she raided Michael Jackson's closet and stole all of his bizarre costumes because she's always wearing these things that seem to be well, like she looks from, like from she's the from thriller another, video. She looks like she's from another planet, frankly. You, yeah, yes, oh. like it's like it's Here's, like Mark's sister who yeah, never hatched. That's until later. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the sad thing about the Kardashians is that the most normal the most normal person from that show is Bruce Caitlin. I mean that's that's the really sad commentary on that show. <laughs> Apparently that one that one made Billy laugh a little bit. Choking. <laughs> I inhaled a piece of uh, saliva. Um, right. But I, I we're saying really terrible the really terrible thing about the mother's outfits. But you know, uh, I'm, look, I'm I'm not Joan Rivers. I'm sitting here in a oh R.I.P. But I'm sitting here in a sweatshirt and and whatever. But right. my point is that there that that show is awful. And yeah. you know I. I do think that at some point reality TV, like the the line when you're on a reality TV show for ten years, I would imagine yeah. the line between reality and what is fake really does get blurred. Yeah, yeah. and I yeah. I don't know them, but I, it seems to me that that's what sort of happened that's to that family. True. Yeah, it's well, and uh, they there becomes a belief that you start to have a belief that just because you're on television, you're important and relevant. You know right. what I mean that you you ha- or, or, uh, that that people should listen to you, right? I mean, simply because I don't know. I don't know. Well, here's the, the, the show. Hold, the, it drives me nuts because there's so much, such a flushing of potential there. I mean, you're talking. I mean, you look at them. They're a physically beautiful family, right? I mean, it's they could do so much more because they have an whether you like it or not. Beautiful people automatically have an audience, so they have an audience there, and, and they've just totally abused it and flushed it and taken their potential and gone, eh, forget it. I mean, I don't understand why it's even a big deal when a Kardashian poses nude anymore. I'm not even trying to be mean. Right, it's just like right. you, when you do it so many times, right. I don't. It's it's sort of like odd to me that it's still a thing. Right. But you know, I think the problem is that you you have somebody, and we're all guilty of this. I think it's just when you're a celebrity and you're doing these things, it's it's elevated. Yeah. Who who says I go to Bible study every week? I'm a Christian. I'm this. I'm that. Which is what Kim Kardashian says. And I'm not saying right. she's not a Christian. I don't know her heart. But when you're posing nude all the time and not. stuff, people people have these questions, right, right? About well, how does this? And granted, in fairness to her, I don't know what that life is like to yeah. be. I think it's really it's wrong. I right. I think it's wrong, but right. I think it's easier to judge it. Well, you on don't the get outside. to. No, let me just say this: you don't get to do immoral things and then simultaneously call yourself a Christian. Right? No, right? I agree. You can't, you can't do that. So. That doesn't we work. all may do doesn't things work. in private that are, but th- that's my point. Like we don't see, what I mean by private is we don't see things that people do always the way they yeah. treat their family, the yeah, way yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. But we see it with Kim Kardashian. Yeah. 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 But, okay. but it's also blatant when you're posing nude in a magazine. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. anyway, so I do think this pastor, Rich Wilkerson, he, he, he married them. Right. Yeah. And this is, you know, Kim Kardashian's third marriage. He presided over it. I didn't get into asking questions about that. You know what he required as a pastor to marry them and, and all that. But you know, I was really impressed with his. Like, I asked him what the gospel was. I asked him very specific questions, right. and really, he's a genuine, interesting guy. And he actually, he actually has a reality show on Oxygen right now, 
And that was another like thing where I, I heard that and I thought, ugh, you know. Now, I haven't watched the show. It premiered um, on the 9th. And so when the show comes out, it'll be right before the second episode of that show. But it, it is intended not to be a show about drama. The intention, according to him, was to it, for it to be a show that sort of shows ministry and building a church and what planning a church is yeah. like. Now, yeah. I'll be interested to see is, if that's the case. And And look, I really liked him. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So, uh, he's got, it's gotta be a tough thing because you, you're, you're somebody's pastor. So you can't talk about the things that they talk to you about, right? The things that are in private, you can't share those things, those intimate moments. Uh, he can't share those times when they reveal their soul because it's not, he can't, you just can't as a pastor. And then to be friends with them and, and you, nobody knows how you're counseling or if you're counseling them. So if you're, if you're their pastor, People are just going to say, well, why don't you just stand up to them and tell them that what they're doing is wrong? And we don't have any idea that he's whether or not he's doing that in private. And it's not fair to judge him because of them. And it's not fair. And it's not okay for him for for him to come. It's not fair to them or whatever for him to just come out and blast them when he's trying to be their pastor. So it's it's got to be a tough stop, a tough spot to be in. Look, I I would say people like him are needed in Hollywood, I, and yep. as long as they're Agreed. doing as long as they're doing what a pastor does, and it does yeah. seem to be that he is doing what a pastor does. I think it's really easy to attack all these preachers and say, oh, you just want to be around celebrities or whatever. It doesn't seem to me that that's what's going on here. It seems to me now it's funny because I was just looking at Twitter and Kim Kardashian had tweeted out like a holiday product list or something i don't know and his book was on it that he just wrote yeah. which is a christian book about god that she had wow. put out there so you know look god uses people in different ways and i think it's it's not fair to judge a pastor if he's doing the right thing just because of who he's friends with yeah yeah i know all right so you want to get to this interview then we'll roll it we'll roll it all right it's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys Podcast, and I have an exciting guest on the line. It is Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. Let me let me ask you, if if somebody asks you the question of, you know, what is the gospel? And I know that's sort of I guess it's a loaded question, but I always love to ask it because everyone has a different way of, I guess, expressing yeah. that. So how would you how would you answer that? Yeah, I would say that, you know, obviously the gospel means the good news. And what is the good news? The good news is that God sent his son Jesus. And Jesus came and took everything we deserve, which is sin, punishment, death, so that we could get everything that he deserves, which is life, and life more abundantly and eternal life. And so it's the great exchange, right? It's that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might be righteous. And it's not something that we can achieve. It's something that we have to receive. And how do we receive it? We receive it by faith through grace. And grace being the unmerited favor of God, that you could never deserve this. In fact, if you deserved it, it wouldn't be grace, but rather it's by the gift of God. And the only qualification is to believe in Him. And as we believe, and as we discover all that He's done for us, it leads to a life change. And so the gospel is not a message of behavior modification. The gospel is a message of heart transformation, that I'm being changed from the inside out. What do you think is one of the, because look, you, you are somebody, you've got a profile that's growing and with that, and obviously having been, you know, the pastor who married Kim and Kanye, people, people have assumptions, they have questions, they have things that they've said, good and bad. You know, are there any misconceptions about you or your, or anything surrounding you and your relationship with them? Um, I'm not trying to get you in trouble, but just sort of things that you've seen that you're kind of like, this is not, this is not necessarily accurate or it's just a misconception. Well, I think just, you know, the misconception, you know, that we live in a world that's addicted to headlines. And so you know, I, I see a headline oftentimes, you know, celebrity pastor. And 
you don't have to choose the headlines. <laughs> uh, we don't. That was never our plan. It's never something that we've asked for, or desired. Uh, we've kind of just walked the path. I think that God has created for us, and the doors that have opened up, we've walked through. The doors that we've closed, we've we've uh, most of the time stayed away from. Um, I, I think for me, what I love once again, going back to the book, is that if you want to go a little bit deeper, you can discover what someone really is all all, all about. If you go beyond the headline, what you'll find out is that there is a message. And the message is not our message, it's, it's God's message, and it, it's about Jesus. And so um, I think when it comes to our different relationships, I, I want to be known as a servant of God, I want to be known as a good husband, I want to be known as a good friend. And as I look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was a good friend to everyone. And he was never afraid to be guilty by association, he was never afraid to be in a space or a place that many who would look on from the outside, they could have misinterpreted. In fact, they did misinterpret it to the point that they put him on a cross for it, but he sat at the table with prostitutes, drunkards, partiers, and he also sat at the table with the religious right, and he had grace for both parties. And uh, that's the life I'm trying to live, and that's the life that I want to live. By no means uh, do I always get it right, but my goal and my aim is to live like Jesus. Yeah, and I want to ask you one more thing about the book too, because I think it's fascinating sure. that you've that you've written this book surrounding one you know piece, and I, I don't want to say small piece because it's such an important piece, but one piece of the Bible. Um, what are you hoping that a reader of of Sandcastle Kings would walk away thinking or feeling? Yeah, I want people to walk away realizing that even those of us. Um, or trying to live a morally decent life. We've got to realize that even in our good efforts, uh, so often things that we tend to build our life on, they are good things, but a good thing becomes a bad thing. Make it the foundational thing. My prayer is that people, as they read this book, they would discover that we can't prevent storms. Storms happen in life. It's part of life. But we can prepare for them. And the way that you prepare for them is by having a sturdy foundation. And the only foundation that I believe in what this book, you know, seeks to try to explain and try to expose is that Jesus is that foundation. He is the solid rock. He's a firm foundation. He, you know, he offers for us an unshakable kingdom that, yeah, you might bend, but you don't have to break. And this book is about Jesus, that you would surrender your life to him, that you would live for him, that you would consider him every day, every moment, and you would realize that without him, you're lost and you're desperate. Now, the the cover art of the book, which obviously has gotten a lot of attention, that that's something that Kanye West uh, came up with the concept, right? How, tell me about the cover art, and then tell me how did you guys meet you and Kanye? Yeah, the cover was done by Kanye and his team, and um, obviously the content you can tell is you know pretty meaningful to me. I think it's life changing content, and so I wanted the cover to be great. I wanted the cover to be cool. I wanted the cover to to uh, make people feel something. And um, as I look back through church history, you'll see that the church would call upon the great artists of the day to help illustrate or help tell the story of the Bible, the story of God, the gospel. And love them or hate them, I think uh, the history books will, will show that one of the greatest artists of our generation was Kanye West. And so I wanted him to do the artwork. Um, I met Kanye at a church service in Miami at my dad's church uh, a few years ago, and we just became friends and we continue to be good friends. Yeah, and it's it's always challenging, and I think, you know, a lot of, and you mentioned headlines, you know, a lot of reporters, you're trying to get the clicks because you want people to read, and it becomes, I think it becomes a thing that takes on a life of its own, and sometimes people are sort of like the victims of that, right, um, it, when it comes to stories, and so, you know, my question's about, 
Kim and Kanye. I, I'm fascinated by somebody like you, frankly, you know, and again, I'm not trying to get you in trouble, who is friends with people who are, who have professed to be Christians, who, who may have their own struggles, who are in the midst of this entertainment industry, and who may do things sometimes that people look at and say, that's not at all what it should be if you're saying you're a Christian. And I think it's hard when you're a, a pastor and you, when you're a friend, because it's easy to be then thrown under the bus as, oh, well, you're condoning certain things or you're allowing certain things. And that, so that's why I asked you the question about the, you know, the challenge of whether or not you've sort of noticed that. And I think you spoke to that, it, it was, you know, pretty well when you explained what Jesus did and what, it, and, and what we all should be doing as Christians. Um, you know, how do you, how would you, and then I want to really get into the show and other things. I'm not, I don't want to fo- spend too much time on this, but how do you sort of respond to those who might look at you and say those things like, oh, well, how can you hang out with those people? Or how could you stand by and allow those things to happen? How do you respond to that sort of critique? Yeah, I think that anyone who would make any kind of a, a criticism like that, I wouldn't really understand that type of a person very well. The idea of how do I allow? Well, uh, I don't allow anything. I, I'm responsible for myself. That's the only thing I can allow and not allow. Um, people are adults and people make decisions. And so if I can't associate with people unless I can control them, well, then I've got a problem in my paradigm of relationship because I've been married to the same girl for nine years. And what I've learned in nine years is I can't control her. Um, <laughs> control, those are, those are scary, scary words in itself. But I think at the heart of the question, it, that is the problem, is that people somehow think that pastoring or being a friend to someone means that you control them. I think that's silly. I think being a good friend is is that when you're down in the dumps and when you're making mistakes and when you're in your lowest moment, hopefully that's when your friends shine the brightest in your life, that they are there for you. Um, I think the same thing when it comes to the idea just of allowing. I don't, I don't control or allow anything. Um, I think that people make their decisions. I think for me, um, I want to be a good friend. My dad used to always teach me, you know, hey, you celebrate people in public and you have tough conversations in private. Uh, I, people are so funny because they just assume uh, that they know more than what they actually do know. And the reality of it is, is that Jesus is the model. Jesus is the picture. And he spent time and he hung out with people, some of which surrendered, others of which did not surrender. I also think about some of those stories when Jesus went into a town and Bible said he would heal everybody. All were healed. And if you think about it, my guess is that he probably healed blinded eyes that would go and lust with those eyes. He probably, you know, opened up ears that would go and hear the wrong things. He he probably healed lame people that would go and walk into sin. He probably healed hands that would hurt people. Like Jesus is always just Jesus. Even more faithless, he is still faithful. He doesn't change. The problem with humanity is that we have a thing called expiration dates. And no matter how hard we try, we all have an expiration date for somebody because everybody at the end of the day, instead of being people, we look at them as projects. They've got a start date and a finish date. Now, maybe your finish date is shorter than mine and maybe my finish date is a little bit longer. But at some point, we have this expiration of going, I've given you enough and now you haven't changed or you haven't done what I told you to do. And so now I'm washing my hands of you. I just thank God for Jesus because that's not how he behaves. That's not how he walks in our life. He loves us with his, you know, his very last breath, he's forgiving us. Judas, the one who betrayed him. The last words Judas ever heard from Jesus was, friend, come and do what you've come to do. Judas didn't hear him condemn. Judas heard Jesus call him a friend in the Garden of Gethsemane. There's some powerful, powerful, radical uh, pictures of God's grace and his love towards us. And I'm just learning every day how much God loves me 
And because Jesus chooses to associate with me, it's not hard for me to associate and befriend to others that people misinterpret or that people uh, don't see the fruit of uh, a Christian life in yet. So that's the journey that I'm on. Yeah, and it's almost unfair to say, oh, well, you know, you're, you're a pastor and you're friends with these people. Why are they not acting a certain way? And I'm not saying that to you at all. I'm saying that I anticipate and have seen those sorts of critiques, sure. you know, all the time, not just with you and, and other celebrities, with other pastors. It's, you know, and I think yeah. we but love I'm just to saying, When people say that statement, because I see that statement all the time, that you're a pastor and why haven't these people changed? What it tells you right off the bat automatically is, is their paradigm, that they actually believe that they can change people. Right. And what it does to me is a very arrogant statement because our job is not to save people. Our job is not to deliver people. Our job is not to heal people. Our job is to go fishing and to plant seed and water seed. Only God, according to Paul, brings the growth or the increase, meaning our job is to love people and point people to Jesus. Jesus is the change agent. So I just think if we're not careful, we fall into religion really quick. And religion is this idea that if I do enough good things, God owes me. If I do enough bad things, well, then I owe God. No, this is not what that is. This is, this is that our righteousness is like filthy rags. And the closer I get to Jesus, the more I realize just how far away I was to begin with. The more I discover him, the more I love him, the more I realize how perfect he is and how flawed I am. And I just think... Uh, I want pastors and believers, I think we should be in the darkest spaces, shining the brightest lights. So um, whenever people make that assumption, that question going, how come somebody hasn't changed yet spending time with you? What's well, like, well, what do you mean? Like, do you think that's <laughs> up to me? Do you think that I'm in charge of that timeline? Do you think I am, you know, the seed of God's one-way love? I'm not. I'm, I'm a tool in God's tool shed. And if I've got to, you know, look like an idiot, so be it. But I'm going to keep loving people. I'm going to keep standing up for people. I'm going to keep covering people, even when others would like to expose, would like to criticize, would like to point out. That's just not my ministry. That's not what I feel like I'm called to do. No, and and look, if there's not a Christian around, and I'm not saying that people aren't Christians who you're interacting with, I'm saying, but if there's not a Christian around other people, how will they even know, and how will they even see, and how will that example continue? And I do, I do think it's an interesting paradigm, and I appreciate you speaking to it as well as you did, because I think it's something that people want to know, and sometimes they're afraid they're afraid to ask, and you're not always going to get a chance to clarify that and speak about it, so I, sure. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um let me, so let's talk about your reality. Your well, it's a it's a docu series. It's sort of a reality show as well. I I think those are kind of interchangeable terms. How did how did Rich in Faith, which as you said is going to premiere on Oxygen, how did that come about? Yeah, my good friend, my best friend since I was in high school, the guy named Jason Kennedy. He's the or the host on the E News Network along with Juliana Rancic. We had this idea and we partnered up with Magical Elves, which is a great production company that does some amazing work. And Oxygen heard about it. And I think we all had one united vision, which was to try to invade that space and put some positive vibes out there and bring some light to a space that's typically known for, you know, malicious or salacious drama. And uh, we wanted to encourage people. And I just think it's one of those moments where, you know, whatever we avoid, darkness tends to invade. And so uh, darkness is simply the absence of light. And all we got to do is we don't have to be super preachy, but if we just come in and let the light of Jesus, which is on the inside of us, come into some of these spaces, people get really, really encouraged. And I think when Oxygen heard their vision and that they were about it and they wanted to try to do something new, um, it was exciting. So, so you won't be flipping the table me. or screaming at anybody in this show? 
Yeah, you're not going to get any of that. We apologize. But I think, you know, someone said, where's the drama going to come from? I said, well, everyone's life, all of our lives have an element of drama. I don't think we have to create that or fabricate that. Right. I think it can be, if we just are real, we're going to see that people have, what is drama? People have tension. People have challenge. People have um, wonder. And then there's these climactic moments that happen in our lives. And sometimes it leads to a turning point of good. Other times it leads to a turning point of failure or loss. And I think the big overarching theme is how do we handle all of these moments? Uh, the big storyline is us starting a brand new church in the you know downtown Miami area of Boo Church. And how do you do that with no staff members and with no building and with no exact team? And so people get to see that, but also watching our marriage, seeing our marriage, that's fun. My wife and I have been married for nine years. But then, you know, on top of that, what is church? A lot of people think church is just something you do on Sunday and a guy gets up, gets up and talks and tells you, you know, how to live better. But really church is, you know, a community of people doing life together. And in our community, it's about us trying to be more like Jesus. And so church happens Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And you're going to see on the show how a church comes around people when they're going through cancer and how the church comes around people when their marriage is on the rocks and how the church comes around people when they're dealing with substance abuse. And you're going to see some of those interactions. And I just think it's beautiful. I think it's exciting. The jury is out if there's an audience there that wants that. The jury is out if it ends up, you know, encouraging people or not. But I'll tell you, our motivation and our prayer in this whole thing is that it would be a ministry to people. Uh, of course, it, that we want it to be entertained, we want it to be fun, but I think people need to laugh more. I think people need some more joy. And I think people need hope, always. Well, listen, I, I really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll make sure we link out to the book, to the show, and uh, I appreciate you again coming on today. Thank you so much, Billy. I appreciate you taking the time and letting me share a little bit. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Church boys. Man, I eat these guys. William, we're just about out of here, but we, we couldn't leave we couldn't we couldn't leave the show without doing at least one Blaze War on Christmas. You stole this from uh John Gibson's story. So what's your what's your what's your uh latest war on Christmas story that you're um, this, <laughs> I I like this one because I think it's interesting. A New Hampshire public school district. Um, basically made the decision every year uh, there's an outside non-school event. It's a Christmas tree lighting ceremony in the community. And basically that event, the flyers for that event are given out to students. And it says, come to the Christmas tree lighting ceremony. There's, It's not just religious. There's Santa. There's all the secular symbols. And this year, for the first time in 15 years, uh, the superintendent said that the word Christmas had to be changed to holiday. It had to say holiday tree. It could not say Christmas tree mm-hmm. um, because if it said Christmas tree, that was basically a violation of the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment, and it was a religious holiday. Now, the Alliance Defending Freedom has stepped into this and said well, that's not true, and they've issued a letter sort of detailing from their perspective, which is a conservative perspective, that Christmas is a national holiday and is not a right. strictly it's not something that's unconstitutional right. uh, to acknowledge and i mean look what the hell other i'm sorry i just <laughs> it, i don't <laughs> holiday a holiday tree like i'm it I makes know, me fume there is no such thing as a holiday tree no. nobody lights a tree for anything but christmas so right. shut up it is people. A, it is a christmas tree it is i mean it's not I, a, i'm sorry that not was a halloween tree it's not a thanksgiving tree it's not a easter tree it's not a fourth of I july tree it. i can't it's not I can't. It's, it's a christmas tree 
And so to, to say to say that that's an offensive word is just ridiculous. No, no, no. listen. Holiday tree is the dumbest that it out of if you could line up all the stupid things in the world that people say in the political correctness front, ho- holiday tree is probably at the top of the list. It is so insane yeah. to me yeah. that this is the place where we are yeah. that we cannot call a Christmas tree a Christmas tree. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, enough, enough, <laughs> people. You're insane, all of you. I look. I'm sorry. It's crazy. Oh, we're gonna light the crazy. holiday tree. We don't know what holiday it's for. Well, and it's funny. We just we. And, and replacing Christmas with holiday. Listen, if you're going for a variety of terms, like if you're writing a, a piece and you interchange holiday with Christmas because you don't want to keep using the same word over and over, okay, I can get that. That's different, right? That's right. different. But like change, just changing it from Christmas to holiday doesn't make it not Christmas. Like we had the- It's like calling a menorah a candle stand. Oh, right. It's a, it's a holiday candle stand. It's not a, it's insane. Right. right. And so uh, like- for instance, no, listen, private organizations to do whatever they want, right? And we're having our, you know, our, so businesses will have their Christmas parties, but now they call them holiday parties because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And Blaze does it, never other places do it. No, it's I'm not, fine with that. I mean, if a company wants to do that, that's fine, but it just seems strange to me, right? Not as strange as calling a Christmas tree a holiday tree because it's not a, it's not a holiday tree. No, there's it is nothing more strange tree. than calling a Christmas tree a holiday tree. There's right. nothing, it well, is you the could epitome call, of, well, you could call it a pumpkin. You could, you could call it a, hol- um, call it a, you, a holiday pumpkin. <laughs> you could be. call it a holiday bush. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I just, I, it's insane. Yeah, like, I just is, don't it's understand nuts. it. It's nuts. But like we it had our, we had our, lo- our, our local, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want, I don't want anybody. Yeah. Don't just shut your mouth. <laughs> so I'm not gonna say anything. Last thing you need is Laura Geller knocking on your door. <laughs> I'm, all right. I'm saying, saying nothing. Never mind. We're going to have to just bleep all that out. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> You should bleep that out. Oh, and also bleep out the woman's name. I just no, no, don't, don't. No, I'm not going to bleep Annie, that out. Annie, I actually really like Dan Barker, her husband, who yeah. I don't agree with on anything. I think he's entertaining. I love that you bring her name up and then you mention I really like her husband. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're not fans of the Blaze, but no, look, fine. at the end of the day, that's okay. That's and right. I think. I think anybody who's calling a, a Christmas tree a holiday tree There's honestly needs to be they need their head examined, educated on what Christmas is yeah. about and what Christmas is because I'm gonna stop. I'm just <laughs> gonna stop. I, it makes me too angry. All right. Well, you know what? It's the weekend. It is time to relax, unless of course you were part of a Christmas program that you're up till one o'clock every morning, every night, two or one or two o'clock in the morning, preparing for. Uh, it's a time to relax and get ready and uh, enjoy Christmas time. So get your shopping done. Go buy your car. Uh, get your new Christmas your replacement tree. Do all those sorts of things that are part of the Hallowell Christmas tradition. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be getting my second Christmas tree in two weeks uh, this weekend. So I'm excited for that. <laughs> okay. So, uh, any words for the... I guess we, guess we should go because I'm getting all sorts of notes about some stuff that I need to get done. So Decorate uh, your holiday trees. <laughs> And whatever else it is you need to do this Christmas to make it to make it the best, which would include getting a new tree and strapping it, whatever. You know what? Take this tree and just put it right right over there. Right? Where? Where? Put it right right there. No, Billy, bend over. Bend over. No. Put it right right there. Awful. Put it there. Church Bowl.